0: To start your day.
1: It is Friday the 1st of December, it's the Feast of St. Edmund Campion. Let's begin with a prayer for God's protection in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O God, you are the preserver of men and the keeper of our lives. We commit ourselves to your perfect care on the journey that awaits us. We pray for a safe and auspicious journey. Give your angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. Let no evil befall us nor any harm come to our dwelling that we leave behind. Although we are uncertain of what the day may bring, we may be prepared, may we be prepared, for any event or delay and greet it with patience and understanding. Bless us, O Lord, that we may complete our journey safely and successfully under your ever-watchful care. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start this Feast of St. Edmund Campion. Pray for us. I know he's a favorite among many of you. It is his feast. We'll talk a lot more about him. We'll also talk about St. Charles de Foucault, and I'm going to try and do that in my best French possible, but some of you know my Kentucky Fried French. It ain't so good. However... We've, like, we've got lots of great people to talk to today. I hope that you stick around for a good chunk of it. Uh, we'll talk to Father Jeffrey Kirby, who's got a new book on the wisdom of the popes. Uh, we'll also talk to Ken Craycraft. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been following the Oklahoma Charter School situation and the legal questions surrounding that, but Ken will unpack some of those, and we will preview the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo because this weekend we begin the season of Advent. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
0: Good morning. The truce is reportedly over between Israel and Hamas. The Israeli military said today it has resumed combat in the Gaza Strip and says Hamas violated the truce and fired a rocket toward Israeli territory. Israeli airstrikes have been reported in Gaza City and drones have been reported over southern Gaza. During the seven-day truce, Hamas released 80 hostages in exchange for 240 Palestinian prisoners. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in Israel yesterday calling for the truce to be extended. But after their meeting, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said they swore to eliminate Hamas and that nothing will prevent that from happening. Pope Francis yesterday called for more women theologians and more reflection on the feminine nature of the church as he addressed members of the International Theological Commission, saying the church is woman. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports.
2: Pope Francis said, if we do not understand what a woman is, what a woman's theology is, we will never understand what the church is. He described the masculinizing of the Church as a great sin, which has not yet been resolved. This, he said, should lead not only to more women being represented in the International Theological Commission, but to greater reflection on the Church as woman and as bride. This is a task I ask of you, please, the Pope told the assembled theologians unmask the Church. In his prepared remarks, which were distributed to those present, Pope Francis said, Today we are called to dedicate ourselves with all the energy of our hearts and minds to a missionary conversion of the Church. This, he said, is a response to Jesus' call to evangelize, which the Second Vatican Council made its own and which still guides our ecclesial journey. The Pope added that the ITC is called to take the lead, in a qualified way, in finding a way of thinking that knows how to share the truth about God convincingly, and that it does so by proposing an evangelizing theology that promotes dialogue with the world of culture. He added that this must be done in harmony with the people of God, with a privileged place for the poor and the simple, but also in prayer and adoration before God." The Pope then noted the Commission's work on anthropological and ecological questions while focusing especially on their updated and incisive reflection on the permanent relevance of the Trinitarian and Christological faith confessed by Nicaea, which is being undertaken in preparation for the 1700th anniversary in 2025 of the First Ecumenical Council. I'm Christopher Wells.
0: The United States is poised to extract more oil and gas than ever before in 2023. The latest federal government forecast shows a record 12.9 million barrels of crude oil, more than double what was produced a decade ago being extracted in 2023. The Biden administration has handed out oil and gas drilling leases on public lands at a rate comparable to Donald Trump. Yet at the same time, Biden's Inflation Reduction Act was passed and has spurred record investment in clean energy as well, like solar, wind and propel sales of and propelling sales of electric vehicles. A New York appeals court is reinstating a gag order against former President Trump in his civil fraud trial. Mark Mayfield reports.
3: Trump and his attorneys are once again prohibited from making public statements about the courtroom staff in the ongoing $250 million civil fraud trial. The order was temporarily lifted two weeks ago by an appellate judge after Trump's lawyers sued the judge in the case. New York Judge Arthur Engren initially issued the order in October after Trump lashed out at his law clerk on social media. Trump's attorneys argue that the order infringes on the former president's First Amendment rights. I'm Mark Mayfield.
0: And southern states are becoming increasingly popular for people to move to. Data from the U.S. Census Bureau found that more people moved to the south last year than any other region. States in the south grew by more than 1.3 million people. Florida was the fastest growing state in 2022, with the other largest gaining states including Idaho, South Carolina, and Texas. A survey from the real estate brokerage Home Bay found That the top reasons Americans moved were to get a bigger home, live in a cheaper area, and improve their quality of life. I mean, I guess Idaho, not a southern state by geography, but perhaps in—
1: I think uh, rural vibes is what we're getting here. Rural vibes. Rural vibes, Hmm. and I identify with that.
0: Yeah. Well, you've been telling me that East Tennessee is paradise. It is
1: paradise. There are many paradises— Throughout the world, but it does help when you're in a, in a, it's in a, in a sort of like a community. I feel like the, uh, the cities become more and more isolated. Mm-hmm. I have many, many thoughts on this, Anna Mitchell, and I'm pretty sure that folks like Dr. John Cuddeback would back me up on that. Oh, them.
0: absolutely.
1: But there's something about there's something about being connected to uh, mm-hmm. to neighbors. It's it, it can be kind of hard to know your neighbors in a big city,
0: even when they're that close. But sometimes the
1: closer they are, the harder it is to know them.
0: That's true. That's an interesting point. Yes. A depressing point, really. It's I also kind of it. fun when
1: there's only one church in your whole county, and everybody's sort of forced to go to it, and mm-hmm. then you got to actually like interact with people, live with people. As opposed to cities where you could just be like, ah, I don't like that one. I'm going to go two blocks over.
0: I know, right? Yeah. Hmm.
1: There are. I have many theories on this. Many, many
0: theories. Well, we got time. It's good to see you here.
1: It is good to be here. I hope
0: people are watching the live stream, Matt. Sitting in the studio.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how this is supposed to look, and if I'm doing if I'm doing things right. It's a, your
0: your cameras over here. My
1: camera's over there. Yeah. Nobody on the radio knows what you're talking about, I but uh, it it has been very interesting to see. You know, all this stuff that I've been doing, I've been doing from like my little studio office space, mm-hmm. which is a, a very much a multi-purpose, Room. you know, st- soundstage yeah. slash office slash podcasting slash email center that is about. 10 feet by 10 feet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been.
0: Well, welcome to the palatial estates of the Sunrise Morning right. Show.
1: I keep forgetting some people do radio and actual radio stations. I know, right? In this podcast world. No, it's, it's fun. Nice to
0: have you here.
1: Got to uh, hang out at the uh, the Mitchell bed and breakfast. Yeah. Which was nice. Mm-hmm. To see the family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Annie's dad's birthday yesterday.
0: Yeah. So, we so got, got some, some cake special and ice dinner, cream. cake and ice cream. It was great.
1: So, I brought some local, like, Maryland, like a very small token of Maryland appreciation, but oh, I neat. forgot to get it out last night. Oh, okay. I'll I'll, I'll get it to your, to your family. I should neat. give it to your dad as a belated birthday present.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah, he'll like that. Yeah. Totally. So totally.
1: we got two saints on the calendar today. Yeah. Did you have one that you wanted specifically to focus on first because you got some good, I mean, real good options.
0: Okay, so next hour... We're going to be uh, welcoming Amy Wellborn back to the program to talk about Charles de Foucault, who has.
1: Thank you for saying that so I don't have to.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Um, Who has just a really interesting story that brings up interesting thoughts um, that Amy will share. So I think we should talk about Edmund Campion.
1: Why not? And a happy feast day to the folks at St. Edmund Campion Academy and Here all in
0: Cincinnati, yeah.
1: And all who have any kind of background uh in Anglicanism before mm-hmm. becoming Catholic. Uh mm-hmm. this is uh this is a guy who is often invoked in those conversations. St. Edmund Campion uh well his family converted to Anglicanism and he was going to continue down that path uh and you know was actually of uh, fairly well-respected people in his circles, uh, but he decided he was going to leave it all behind, uh, fled the continent because that's what you had to do if you wanted to become a Catholic priest at the time, uh, joined the Jesuits, and was ordained in 1578 and did a little missionary work, eventually returned to London as a Jesuit missionary. And again, this is a, this is a guy who could have... Uh, well, and this is the case with a lot of the Jesuits in those first generations... They probably could have been anything mm-hmm. in the world, but they decided to be Jesuits. And most of them decided to do something kind of missionary. Some people yeah. did stuff in the classroom and in education, but a lot of them decided to be missionaries. And Campion came back. Um, he had to work undercover a little bit. Uh, he is probably best known in terms of his writings for Campion's Bragg, which was kind mm, of like this, this uh, manifesto as to why England should return t- to, uh, to Union with Rome. And uh, some people read it. They distributed it, uh, but it also made some people mad, and got him arrested, imprisoned, uh, thrown in the Tower of London, and eventually, eventually hung, hung, drawn, and quartered, which is something they do not just to uh, punish you, but also to make anybody watching think it would be a bad idea to be a Jesuit and a missionary. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out when you martyr somebody, it sometimes has the opposite effect. And uh, his life actually inspired a whole lot of people.
0: Yeah. Wasn't – isn't there a story – was it Campion whose – was it his blood fell on the face of – oh,
1: gosh. If Stephanie Mann was here, she could be –
0: Stephanie Mann is probably pulling her hair out right now that I cannot remember the name of the martyr who was not Catholic when he was standing in the crowds watching – The martyrdom of Edmund Campion.
1: Henry Walpole. It was Henry Walpole. Uh, So he was 23, uh, and he was a well-educated Englishman, went to Cambridge. He was there in December, and uh, while watching Campion's execution, some of Campion's blood splashed on him. And uh, he left. He left. The (laughs) blood of the martyrs, and became a Jesuit,
0: is literally. Uh, And then he came back.
1: As I'm reading through this story, so Walpole uh, came back and was serving English exiles uh, for a little while, and then ended up becoming uh, basically like Campion (laughs) in every way. Uh, He was hung, drawn, and quartered in uh, 1595, 14 years after Campion. uh, Campion's blood splashed upon him.
0: Wow, wow,
1: wow. But these things echo, right? They echo through time. That's why uh, when we tell the stories of what's happening in Nicaragua and this imprisoned bishop uh, mm-hmm. down there and all the horrible things that are happening under the Ortega regime, or when we talk about um, in Nigeria, all the horrible things that are happening, and especially uh, pray for places like Nigeria as Christmas approaches because these are the times when the yeah. enemies of the church tend to target yeah. uh, these fellow believers. Iraq. Um, the Holy Land. The Holy Land for sure. Uh, you never know what these martyrdoms are doing on the local level. I mean, we hear them as news stories, mm-hmm. but we can't read the souls of the people who are witnessing these things firsthand. Even the persecutors, yeah. or in the case of Walpole, the the cal- casual observers, yeah, right. Um, who could not be casual observers after they saw what happened?
0: Absolutely, it's such a it's such a good point because yeah, we we look at these stories and we. We, particularly here on The Morning Show, um, I try to, to follow and, and cover those stories as much as possible to keep our listeners aware of what is going on in the global church, to know what is happening to the body of Christ. Because if one body, one body part suffers, we all suffer, right? And so we need to be aware of those things and pray for our brothers and sisters. But this is an excellent point that we should be praying for all those around as well that this is to not just pray that persecution ends because i think that's a good prayer but to be praying that in the midst of this persecution that the lord is working that the lord continues to work that that the blood of the martyrs continues to be the seed of the church.
1: Well, Christianity, we got a different end game than a lot of other worldviews. So, our end game is not to defeat our enemies. Our end game is for our enemies to join us at the heavenly <laughs> banquet after <Exactly>. having converted. <laughs> exactly. So, the
0: defeat of our enemies is actually for them to join us at yeah, the table we, uh, of the Lord. We,
1: our goal is like, even if you, whether you're in combat with an enemy or whether you're having like weird extended relationships and conversations with the enemy, the goal is always. Community and communion.
0: So Exactly, which is why we talk about how you know, nobody ever gets converted by losing an argument
1: That's true. with you. Well, actually, so as I always say—
0: Losing an argument with God.
1: People don't yeah. convert because they lost an argument with you. They convert because they lost an argument with God. Yep. And there you have it.
0: And there you have it.
1: Let's check on weather for the nation. Rain, perhaps a few thunderstorms across the lower half of the Mississippi Valley, Midwest, Tennessee Valley, and deep south early in the day. We drove through some of that on the way to work.
0: Yes, we did.
1: Uh, There could be a thin ribbon of wet snow or a mix of snow and freezing rain from parts of the central plains and mid-Mississippi Valley into the upper Midwest and Great Lakes. Rain and thunderstorms across the eastern seaboard through the afternoon and evening. A few strong to severe ones along the central Gulf Coast. Uh, also a thin region of wintry precipitation from the upper Midwest and Great Lakes to the interior northeast. northwest. Who knows? Never did, didn't know, even know that place existed. Rain will soak western areas of Washington State and Oregon. Rain and snow across the interior northwest. Snow with the Cascades and Rockies. A few areas quiet in the north central U.S. and most of California. And that is your geography lesson. Or Friday. Got headlines after this at 16 minutes
3: past the hour. Support is for Metashare. So
4: right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join Metashare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to Metashare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too. For over 30 years, it's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing, too. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another $150 savings. So... I'll give you the number here in a second, but just call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And remember, the deadline is December 15th. So call now, and you'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE.
1: Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee.
0: They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
1: Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug available in our online store.
0: Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
1: That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
3: Hey, this is Michael O'Neill, The Miracle Hunter. I'll be delving into the fascinating world of miracles and taking you on a hunt that explores the greatest mysteries and marvels of the Catholic Church. I'll be examining what constitutes a miracle, how miracles are investigated and approved, and the role they play in the lives of the faithful. We'll look at the miracles of the Gospels in early Christianity, considering the claims of the miraculous
5: in our own modern age. The Miracle Hunter, Saturday at 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines.
0: The truce is now over between Israel and Hamas, with combat resuming now in the Gaza Strip. Pope Francis yesterday called for more women theologians and more reflection on the feminine nature of the church as he addressed members of the International Theological Commission. And the Holy Father has expressed his condolences today to the family of Indy Gregory, the little girl who died after being taken off life support by order of a UK court.
1: News at the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show, uh, Anna Mitchell, every year somebody brings out the joke about the Advent colander. Where they got the spaghetti strainer with, like, little Post-it note stickers with all the dates on it. And I saw one of those out today. Uh, advent colander? You never you never heard that no, joke? No,
0: I've never heard about the advent colander.
1: I can see Annie straining herself to understand um, it. So, the... <laughs> At any rate. Um, so, I just want to point out that those of you who are, you know, observing advent with us, don't forget, like, you may buy the Lego advent calendar... You may buy buy an IKEA Advent. Everybody's got an Advent calendar, and they all start on December first. I just want to make sure that everybody knows
0: Advent starts Advent starts on Sunday, which is December third. Which is
1: December third. So, Mm
6: -hmm.
1: if you want to be like liturgically accurate, that's the vibe. But it is kind of strange because today is December first. Today is a first Friday. Yep. Tomorrow is a first Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday. Is a first Sunday? Yeah, I'm pretty ad-
0: sure. I well, I could be wrong, but I think we might have this year is the shortest Advent possible.
1: It might be. It's real short. It's real short. Uh, you only get. I mean, pff, fourth Sunday of Advent is a matter of hours. December
0: 24th is a Sunday, so
1: the fourth fourth Sunday of Advent does not go very long before it switches over to Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, yeah, but pretty yeah. cool at the same time. It's 21 minutes past the hour.
0: For more than two decades now, Sacred Heart Radio has sought to be a light in the darkness. And we need your support to keep our lights on.
1: We are committed to giving a voice to the voiceless when the rest of the media seeks to silence them.
0: And there are those who would love for Sacred Heart Radio to go silent, but we are not going anywhere.
1: Be generous like St. Nicholas was generous, and help us raise $60,000 on his feast day, Wednesday, December 6th. But you don't have to wait until St. Nicholas Day. You can give right now at sacredheartradio.com.
7: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. one 800 molly or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust.
3: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hardworking professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience and fit up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at Centralfabricators.com. That's Centralfabricators.com.
7: Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive
8: and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality Diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. The Abrasive this year.
1: The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Jeffrey Kirby, who's the author of a number of books and the compiler of A Year with the Popes, Daily Meditations with the Vicar of Christ. It's a handy little leather-bound book, and it's, uh, it's fairly substantial. Father Kirby, welcome back.
9: Thank you, Matt, good to be on the show.
1: Well, you only have a few thousand years of people to deal with here <laughs> in selecting uh, daily readings. How in the world did you go about figuring out what to use and uh, who to draw from?
9: Yes, I-, I wanted the first part of the book to be a real... Biblical basis in terms of of the office of the papacy, so that, that part was easier. And then walking through the different generations of church history, uh, really just selected things that were more maybe spiritually pertinent, or things that might you know help with contemporary issues or events in you know church history, which is for many parts Western history that people may not realize the Pope had some thoughts about, and so you know, for example, like the slave trade, to just really document the denunciations by the popes of the slave trade. And, and so various factors played into what was selected and what was not. And what was all done with the, you know, different quotes and, and ideas. I think I had over a thousand. So, Needless to say, there was uh, several processes of cutting, 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 and to finally get into 365
1: and you you got kind of like a chronology to these two as you go through day by day how's that uh, kind of flow
9: yes so the first part again is just basically the biblical basis so we i mean I, I start with isaiah in terms of the prophecies of the key bearer and then you know the ministry of the lord to the the gospels and actually the apostles the ministry of saint peter and then uh the two letters of saint peter in the new testament and then uh and then you know yeah just basically taking it generation by generation and, and trying to highlight, you know, different aspects in each generation, trying to make sure that there's at least something from, from some generations. Uh, believe it or not, it's interesting how often we talk about, you know, the good popes and the bad popes, but sometimes we don't mention the, the lukewarm popes or some popes or, or, or some whole generations where I'm really scratching my head and saying, someone, come on, come on, guys, someone had to do something. <laughs> like, is there something that I could draw from this generation? you know, or, or the particular century, and uh, and that really was my effort, was to show that flow, that movement of, you know, just the, the, the role, the influence, the spiritual fatherhood of the Pope through the ages of, of, of the Church's history.
1: Well, and obviously you have uh, a certain section or two of Popes who happen to have been, like, really extraordinary, like, you know, you would think once-in-a-lifetime teachers, but then we got John Paul II and Benedict XVI back-to-back, who are some of the most quotable men in Church history, <laughs> so yeah. necessarily you have to have a little bit more from them. But when it comes to each day's reflection, how are those set up?
9: Oh right, okay. So yeah, so uh, first, just to clarify, when this is a year with the popes, it doesn't mean you have to start in January, um, so it's not based on a, on a calendar date. So someone could begin a year with the post on any day of the year that they would want. And then each day has an intro and then a quote from a particular Pope on some related topic, spiritual or some event. And then after that, there's two questions, a kind of examination of conscience, like how does what was just taught by a particular Pope apply to us and to our discipleship, and then there's a concluding prayer. The, the opening uh, intro is really important each uh, day because... sometimes there's a a context is needed like what why is this particular teaching important or why is it more pressing for example you know the quote by pope pius v calling all christians to pray the rosary and of course that's significant because of the battle of lepanto well if someone doesn't understand the battle of lepanto they may not understand why that was so pressing and so in the intro leading to the quote it's, it's explained this is a battle between Christians and Muslim forces, and if the battle had been lost, Christendom you know would have fallen, the faith in Europe would have been lost, and so on so So the context in that intro is is meant to help the reader to understand why this quote is so important or particular or pressing
1: well, and you got as you mentioned at the beginning of this it's amazing the breadth of things that people cover you know i I think about you know, Pope Francis, uh, you know, late in his life having everybody's prayer requests from every single horrible thing happening in the world laid at his feet every morning and saying, "Pope, (laughs) Pope Francis, what does the Church think about this thing that's happening in this part of the world, or that part of the world, or with this bishop's conference, or that bishop's conference? And it's, you know, I think we feel that now in the present age, but just to look back at everything from communism to the founding of the United States to major theological moments uh, like the Assumption of Mary, all these, uh, you know, you kind of have little highlights and and, and bits and pieces from. Uh, Was there anything that was like a surprise to you as you were putting some of this stuff together?
9: Yes, uh, many surprises. This this work actually took about two years of of research and and, and cutting and editing. Um, One that stands out in terms of, of a surprise was... Uh, the, the strong teaching of Pope Benedict the Fifteenth uh, before and during World War One, and I was aware of, you know, that he was calling for peace, you know, before World War One, but didn't realize uh, how adamant or or, or extreme uh, he was in terms of really calling, you know, the Christian nations at this point to peace and to not pursue this. So that, that was inspiring and a surprise just to read his stuff in terms of the call for peace and the arguments from the scriptures that he was using for at that time the christian nations of europe to preserve peace
1: there's a lot in here uh, and again it, it begins with peter and uh goes all the way up through pope francis and uh there's necessarily a lot uh, to be covered. Uh, but if our listeners want to connect with you, Father Jeffrey Kirby, and get a copy of your book, A Year with the Popes, Daily Meditations with the Vicar of Christ, especially if they want to begin the new year uh, with some kind of resource um, that has daily meditations in it, uh, how do they get a copy of this?
9: Yep, so they can get it from the publisher, uh, TAM Books. It's also available on uh, the EWTN Religious Catalog, and of course, local Catholic bookstores uh, can order it for, for people.
1: All right. And remember, always visit your local Catholic bookstore first, especially this time of year. Half past the hour. Here's Anna with news.
0: Good morning. The truce is now over between Israel and Hamas. Mark Mayfield has the story.
3: The Israeli military said that it has resumed combat in the Gaza Strip and claims Hamas violated the truce and fired a rocket toward Israeli territory. Israeli airstrikes have been reported in Gaza City and drones have been reported over southern Gaza. During the seven-day truce, Hamas released 80 hostages in exchange for 240 Palestinian prisoners. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in Israel Thursday calling for the truce to be extended. But after their meeting, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said they swore to eliminate Hamas and that nothing will prevent that from happening. I'm Mark Mayfield.
0: Pope Francis has expressed his condolences to the families and all those who are mourning Indy Gregory, the little girl, who died after being taken off life support by order of a U.K. court. Her funeral is set for today in the cathedral in the Diocese of Nottingham. A telegram from the Vatican Secretary of State says, quote, His Holiness Pope Francis was saddened to learn of the death of little Indy Gregory, and he sends condolences and the the assurance of his spiritual closeness to her parents, Dean and Claire, and to all who mourn the loss of this precious child of God. Entrusting Indy into the tender and loving hands of our heavenly father, his holiness joins those gathered for her funeral in thanking almighty God for the gift of her all too short life. He likewise prays that the Lord Jesus, who said to his disciples, let the little children come come to me, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs, will grant abiding comfort, strength and peace to you all, end quote. The Vatican announcing today that the Vatican Secretary of State will be delivering on the Pope's behalf his address to the COP28 summit in Dubai. A statement from the Holy See Press Director, Matteo Bruni, says, I can confirm that Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin will lead the Holy See delegation already present in Dubai for COP28 to deliver on Saturday, December 2nd, the contribution that the Holy Father would have liked to pronounce, end quote. Pope Francis met yesterday with participants in a seminar on ethics in health management. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports.
10: In off-the-cuff remarks, he took the opportunity to reflect on his own health. (laughs) As you can see, I'm alive, he joked. The doctor didn't let me go to Dubai. He said the reason was that it's very hot in the United Arab Emirates, and his doctor said going from the heat to air conditioning would have been hard on him, given his, quote, bronchial situation. The Pope also thanked God that his illness was not pneumonia, calling it a very acute infectious bronchitis. I no longer have a fever, he said, but antibiotics and such things are still ongoing. Pope Francis then turned to the topic of health in general and the importance of caring for it. Health is, fragile. health is both strong and fragile, he mused, noting that when a person is healthy, we say, wow, what health that person has, so resilient, so strong. But he added health is also fragile. Poorly cared for health, he said, succumbs to fragility. The Pope added that he sees the value of preventative medicine because it prevents illness before it occurs. He expressed his appreciation for the seminar on ethics and health and said people should both seek medical solutions when they are ill and preserve their health when they are well. Not only seeking medical and pharmacological solutions, but also caring for health, thinking about how to preserve that good, he said, repeating, not just curing, but preserving. The Pope has been recovering from a pulmonary inflammation since Saturday when he underwent a CT scan to properly assess his medical condition amid flu symptoms. He had been due to make an apostolic journey to Dubai to attend the COP28 climate summit on December 1st to 3rd, but canceled the visit on Tuesday evening on the advice of his doctors. I'm Devin Watkins.
0: Also yesterday, Pope Francis called for more women theologians and more reflection on the feminine nature of the church as he addressed members of the International Theological Commission. The church is woman, he said, and if we do not understand what a woman is or what a woman's theology is, we will never understand what the church is, end quote. And a U.S. judge is blocking Montana's TikTok ban from going into effect. A preliminary injunction was issued yesterday that would block the ban from taking effect on January 1st, claiming it oversteps state power. That's the news on The Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 Pat. The Sunrise Sunrise Show.
1: Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee.
0: They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
1: Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store.
0: Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
1: That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
7: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit. On the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
11: The Baltimore Catechism asks, What is the sacrament of penance? Penance is the sacrament in which the sins committed after baptism are forgiven. Other names for it are the sacrament of reconciliation, pointing to the effect of the sacrament, or the sacrament of confession, which describes the action of the person with the sin. But it used to be known as the sacrament of penance, pointing to what we needed to do after sin has been forgiven. Sin is remitted through baptism, and yet we still have to perform penance in order to relieve its effects from our soul. Just as if cancer is removed from our bodies by a doctor, we still have to go through the healing process. So similarly, with the sacrament of penance, our sins are forgiven, and yet penance is still to be done after the sacrament so that we might remove the effects of sin in our lives. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
0: It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us. Happy Friday, everybody. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for Our Sunday Visitor and the Catholic Telegraph, among other publications. Good morning, Ken.
12: Good morning, Annie. Nice to be with you today.
0: It is nice to have you back. And we're going to be talking about challenges to a virtual Catholic charter school in Oklahoma, or perhaps I should say the prospect of this (laughs) school because it hasn't actually um, begun classes or anything like that. So uh, just for those who are not familiar with this whole situation, get us up to speed on that.
12: So in in 2020, as a lot of people know, a lot of schools went to virtual teaching methods for purposes of students staying home and yet going to school. Well, lots of states uh, use that model to establish virtual school, permanent virtual schools. Uh, In Ohio, where we live, there's there's an Ohio virtual school, and that includes the state of Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, uh, the uh, Oklahoma legislature created the Oklahoma Statewide Virtual Charter School Board, which has the role of approving applications for virtual charter schools. Now, these are, of course, are public schools, just like brick and mortar charter schools, but they are schools that have certain specializations, such as engineering or art and things like that. Well, the diocese, the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City and the Diocese of Tulsa put together an application for a virtual Catholic school, Called Saint Isidore of Seville. Uh, now, Saint Isidore of Seville is among other things the patron saint of communications and technology, mm-hmm. and thus information technology. Uh, and it was and it was approved. It was approved by the Oklahoma Statewide Virtual S- uh, Charter School Board, uh, and it's scheduled to open in autumn of 2024 with grades K through 24. So, you know, great idea. It, yeah. K through I said twenty-four grades. Then, yeah. You
0: just made a lot of kids <laughs> well, spit out their Cheerios. I,
12: just yeah. Well, I was thinking of myself. I think I went through twenty four years of school, so maybe that's <laughs> what I had in mind. So, um, and um, and it was and it's set to open in in the fall of twenty twenty four. Well, of course, as you mentioned, it's a perspective because it's been sued. Uh, it was sued both by the Oklahoma uh, Secretary of State, uh, and it was sued by or I'm sorry, the Attorney General. And it was sued by a group of um, of anti-Catholic, anti-religious coalition of people uh, sponsored by the ACLU and uh, organizations like, you know, Freedom from Religion and so forth, Mm -hmm. uh, claiming that it violates the Oklahoma Constitution. So right now, the school is on schedule for August 24, but it's fighting two separate lawsuits in the state of Oklahoma.
0: Okay, explain what. Is in well what they would claim is in violation of the Oklahoma Constitution,
12: right? So what they're claiming is that the charter school, St. Dort of uh, a civil charter school, violates the Oklahoma Constitution's provision that prevents public money from being used for quote, sectarian uh, purposes or for to support any sect. Uh, the Oklahoma provision says, quote, no public money or property shall ever be appropriated, applied, donated, or used directly or indirectly for the use, benefit, or support of any sect, church, denomination, or system of religion. Uh, one of or for of these benefit exactly or support of any priest, preacher, minister, or other religious teacher. You understand that language, Annie, as one of the so-called Blaine Amendments. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the late 19th century, a senator from Massachusetts named Blaine attempted to get a a federal constitutional amendment, uh, very similar to the language that I just read from Oklahoma. It failed, but 37 states in the U.S. now have so-called Blaine Amendments or the sometimes called Baby Blaine Amendments, which purport to do exactly what the Oklahoma Constitution purports to do, and that is to prevent any feder- any publicly funded institutions, uh, any religious institutions from re- receiving public funds. And both of the uh, lawsuits that have been filed, one by the Oklahoma Attorney General and one by this group of anti-Catholic um, whatever uh, uh, have claimed that it violates the it violates the Blaine Amendment, and therefore it would cause the, the state of Oklahoma to favor religion, to, to to teach religion in schools, to use tax dollars to force people to uh, to support religious beliefs that they don't believe, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the state of it. And as for example, for example, uh, the attorney general said. quote Oklahomans are being compelled to fund Catholicism and he says quote that's a gross violation of our religious liberty uh, because it's using tax dollars to support uh, uh, allegedly uh, sectarian education
0: well you know I laugh because that just sounds ridiculous to say that it violates religious freedom to support a religious organization of any kind (laughs) Um, but at the same time um, you think about well I've been taking this Catholic political thought course and have been reading um, you know the popes um, and and their their social encyclicals and the idea of freedom of religion really was formed um, like in the social contract and things as freedom from Catholicism. I mean that's really what, all of this freedom of religion stuff is is about. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that these Blaine amendments no, But right. it's amazing that these blame amendments are still out there, Ken. I mean, hasn't the Supreme Court handled this?
12: <laughs> well, what's interesting about uh, this, what the Supreme Court has done in recent years with very similar kinds of cases is that it has, thankfully, uh, consistently ruled in favor of such organizations and has struck down lawsuits or or, or uh, has reversed lawsuits that have gone against these religious organizations without expressly invalidating the Blaine Amendment of the state of which it was on which it was uh, under which it was applied. So, for example, in this case is most like a case from Montana from a few years ago, which Mm -hmm. we discussed on the air called Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue. Now, that case was slightly different because the schools were not uh, charter schools. They were private schools. And they weren't directly funded by the federal treasury or the state treasury. They were uh, it was a tax uh, program whereby you could make a one hundred and fifty dollar donation to a private school and get a direct tax credit when you filed your state oh. income tax. Is this going to so happen it, in it,
0: Ohio now? Because this is, this well, is something that, that's going that, on in Ohio currently.
12: Right. And I think and I think that that might be and even. Uh, well, let me finish that. Point sure. Then. Go on. So yeah, sorry. Uh, Espinoza. So, yeah. So, yeah. So a group of parents, similar group, ACLU and so forth and so on, sued the state of Montana saying that this violated their Blaine Amendment. The Supreme Court, by a vote of five to four, uh, said that if Montana does not have to establish this tax program, but if they do establish the tax program, they may not discriminate against a school because of its religious opinions, and therefore they may not deny the tax credit to a person who donates the $150 to a religious private school. And therefore, the uh, program in Montana was upheld by the United States Supreme Court. This case is very similar to that, Annie, with one wrinkle. In fact, it's almost identical. Uh, th- there are two wrinkles, but but those are not really significant for purposes of the analysis. One difference, of course, is that these are not um, uh, uh, private schools, but rather public charter schools. So St. Isidore is actually a public school. Wow. And the second is that it doesn't involve a, a tax credit for making a donation to the school, but rather funds the school directly from the Oklahoma Treasury. Um, so I think that based upon the Espinoza case from Montana, If this case gets to the Supreme Court, and it very well might, that the news is going to be good for Oklahoma and bad for the anti-Catholic bigots. Mm -hmm. And you're exactly right, Annie. The Blaine Amendment in 1868 that was originally proposed was not for the purpose of of eliminating religious education in schools. As long as it was Protestant religious education, public schools in the 19th century were effectively Protestant schools with Mm -hmm. Protestant prayers, opening with Mm -hmm. prayer, Bible readings and so forth. The purpose of the Blaine Amendment was to prevent money from going to private Catholic, Catholic schools, which had begun to uh, emerge uh, ap- after the mass immigration from Ireland, Italy and Germany after the Civil War. Yeah. And these cases are very similar. So <clears throat> I think that it's going to be good news for Oklahoma if it gets to the Supreme Court. It might not get that far because the lower courts might say there's no point in going further because the Supreme Court has spoken in Espinoza and this in this school is going to stand.
0: All right. And you can read more about it in a forthcoming piece at Our Sunday Visitor, which is linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Ken Craycraft, thank you.
12: Thank you, Annie.
0: All right. It is 14 till Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years.
12: Most
3: senior Catholic sisters, brothers and religious order priests serve for years with little pay.
7: I always taught the primary grades and I loved it.
3: Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime.
7: Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Are you having trouble in your marriage and don't know where to turn? Has your spouse stopped going to Mass with you? Has infidelity taken place in your marriage? Have money issues put your relationship on a bumpy road? Do you have issues with your in-laws? Hi, I'm Janet Williams. Join me and my husband, Jack Williams. We talk about marriage and how we are to lead our spouse to the faith. It's Marriage Monday on Women of Grace, Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN.
10: I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
0: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show to preview the readings for the first Sunday of Advent. What? is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father
8: good morning we have arrived
9: it's
0: launch time annie it is launch time i can hardly believe that we're now looking ahead to the advent season but i'm a little bit confused father by the readings that we have and i'm hoping that you can address this just in general to kick us off because these readings don't sound very like i don't know christmasy or adventy um, the, the reading from Isaiah, I mean, I know Isaiah is associated with Advent, but not exactly a reading that, uh, that I think about when I'm thinking of, you know, the wonder counselor, God hero, God with us kind of thing. And the gospel, when we get to that, really doesn't sound like Christmas either. So what's going on here?
8: Yeah, so it, it's Isaiah 63 in, in which we hear these words. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways? and harden our hearts so that we fear you not. And then he says, would that you would rend the heavens and come down. Behold, you are angry, and we are sinful. We are all an unclean people. We're like polluted
0: rags.
8: (laughs) Yeah, this is not very uh, silent nighty here, so you're absolutely right. Well, I'll tell you, this: we've said this before, but it bears repeating that liturgically the church sees the— the nativity of Christ, very much not in terms of historical reenactment, but in terms of fulfillment. And therefore, the celebration of the nativity of Christ, the birth of Christ, is seen together with the mystery of his second coming. Just as he came before, so he's going to come again for us. And so this season is a time of expectation, a time of yearning, not for, you know, a fat baby Jesus in the crib, but for God to come down and make himself present upon the earth, for finally for righteousness to reign. And then, of course, the words of Isaiah, the realization that he has not done so yet, and I only have myself to blame.
0: Yeah. Can I ask you about this line? He says, why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Does God really harden hearts? You
8: know, Annie, in the Old Testament, it it says many times that God hardened hardened the heart of Pharaoh, right? Mm So obviously, no, God does not intentionally, actively pursue our destruction, but the Lord does allow us to become, we can say, hardened, because the Lord, as as Isaiah says at the end of this passage, yet, O Lord, you are our Father, right? A father always acts towards his child in love. Love is always exercised in an atmosphere of freedom. And this is exactly what's going on in the time of, of, of Isaiah, In Isaiah prophesying the return, the restoration of the exiles from Babylon to the Promised Land. And yet we know from Isaiah and the other prophets, when they returned, their hearts did not return. They carried Babylon in their hearts. They, they were not true to the Lord. And this is what Isaiah is crying out about. And, Lord, why don't you come and solve this problem now? Look at this. And I think very applicable today, by the way, in our current situation, and within, within the, even within the, the church in some places. Lord, why do you allow this to continue, this this unfaithfulness? Come down now, Lord, and do something appear in your righteousness, open the heavens. I mean, isn't this how we, 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 we call out to the Lord even now? And say, Why is this all out, all this craziness? And this is what the church calls us out now to. Lord, come now. I open my heart to you now. Act in my life. Uh, I desire you now, Lord. And this is This is what we should be doing. This time of Advent is not a time to be celebrating Christmas parties, okay? It's a time of fasting, a time of preparation, a time to get our hearts right so that when the Lord does come, and and as we're going to hear from the gospel, we don't know exactly when that's going to be. When the Lord does come, you'll find me ready.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Lord is coming for all of us at some point. Right, Father? I mean, at the end of our lives, we yes. will yes. face the Lord, and so we so, do, as Jesus says, need to be watchful, be alert.
8: We can say that this is almost a, a, a triple a commemoration of the, feast of, the, of the coming of the Lord in the flesh. It's, it's not only a looking back of what he has done, not only a looking forward to the second coming, but also a looking at my own time of meeting the Lord, at right? my own death, and, and living in expectation of that. Let us be a people that Focuses upon that meeting because that meeting is the most important moment in our life, and and this all comes out as you said, Annie. In in Mark chapter thirteen, verse thirty-three in our gospel text, be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. And this, you know, the the Lord kind of leaves us a little bit in 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 darkness here about the second coming, but also the moments of our death, the moment of that meeting, right? Saint Athanasius says, For who, if they knew the day or of the end, would not disregard the interval? But if ignorant, would they not be more ready day by day? Let, again, and while, while the world has their parties and so forth, let us be a people that is watchful and alert.
0: Yeah, and so, Father, I mean, I think that that comes out so beautifully in the responsorial psalm that we have for this weekend. Psalm 80, Lord, make us turn to you Let us see your face, and we shall be saved.
8: Hmm. Yeah, and the next line, O shepherd of Israel, hearken, hear us, Lord, from your throne upon the cherubim. Shine forth, rouse your power, come to save us. This is the call of the Christian during this Advent season. But, But obviously, we don't invite people to our homes when our homes are not prepared to receive them. So let, our, let us get the home of our heart in order during this time. Again, the time of fasting, the time of prayer. You know, and you may say, I don't, I, the Church didn't call me a fast during Advent. Yes, she does. Yeah, there's no obligation. No, this isn't Ash Wednesday or Good Friday. But it's certainly an opportunity, an invitation for you to take responsibility for your spiritual life and the state of your soul. So, yes, this is a time of fasting preparation.
0: And the Lord will be with us as we hear in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, and by him you were called to fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, I know the ICC has any number of resources to help prepare our hearts. Where can uh, listeners check out what's going on for Advent at the ICC?
8: Oh, we've got lots going on and all free of charge. Uh, faith formation, get our hearts ready. Institute of Catholic Come over, check us out. Institute of Catholic
0: and you can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, Father Hezekiahs. Go watch our Bible study on this. I light candles. We've got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up after a quick break. It's 3-till.
13: it's
7: a new day. Hear His word.
1: It is Friday, December the 1st. Th- the I oh, almost called it the 3rd. Advent is December the 3rd. That's on Sunday. But let's pray since it is the Feast of St. Charles de called his prayer of abandonment. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Charles de Foucault, Pray for us. St. Edmund Campion, whose feast is also today. Pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And Travis has a video feed up and running in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. You can actually see me and Annie in the same room today because I'm here for a talk that we're giving tonight uh, at a school about a thing. i going to see a guy about a thing. Up this hour... Amy Wellborn will talk more about St. Charles on this, his feast day. We'll also connect with Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network and look ahead to those Sunday Mass readings, the first Sunday of Advent. Purple One is going to get lit, and Father Jonathan Duncan has some reflections on those readings to share at the end of the hour. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. <music>
5: Good
0: morning. Israel and Hamas have ended their seven-day truce. The Israeli military said today it has resumed combat in the Gaza Strip and says Hamas violated the truce when it fired a rocket toward Israeli territory. Israeli airstrikes have been reported in Gaza City and drones have been reported over southern Gaza. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in Israel yesterday calling for the truce to be extended. But after their meeting, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said they swore to eliminate Hamas and that nothing will prevent that from happening. Pope Francis yesterday called for more women theologians and more reflection on the feminine nature of the church as he addressed members of the International Theological Commission, saying the church is woman. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells
2: reports. Pope Francis said, if we do not understand what a woman is, what a woman's theology is, we will never understand what the church is. He described the masculinizing of the church as a great sin, which has not yet been resolved. This, he said, should lead not only to more women being represented in the International Theological Commission, but to greater reflection on the church as woman and as bride. This is a task I ask of you, please, the Pope told the assembled theologians, unmask the Church. In his prepared remarks, which were distributed to those present, Pope Francis said, today we are called to dedicate ourselves with all the energy of our hearts and minds to a missionary conversion of the Church. This, he said, is a response to Jesus' call to evangelize, which the Second Vatican Council made its own and which still guides our ecclesial journey. The Pope added that the ITC is called to take the lead, in a qualified way, in finding a way of thinking that knows how to share the truth about God convincingly, and that it does so by proposing an evangelizing theology that promotes dialogue with the world of culture. He added that this must be done in harmony with the people of God, with a privileged place for the poor and the simple, but also in prayer and adoration before God. Pope then noted the Commission's work on anthropological and ecological questions while focusing especially on their updated and incisive reflection on the permanent relevance of the Trinitarian and Christological faith confessed by Nicaea, which is being undertaken in preparation for the 1700th anniversary in 2025 of the first Ecumenical Council. I'm Christopher Wells.
0: Pope Francis has offered his condolences to the family of Indy Gregory, the little girl who died after being taken off life support by order of a UK court. Her funeral is set for today in the cathedral in the Diocese of Nottingham. A telegram from the Vatican Secretary of State says, quote, His Holiness Pope Fra- Francis was saddened to learn of the death of little Indy Gregory, and he sends condolences and the assurance of his spiritual closeness to her parents, Dean and Claire, and to all who mourn the loss of this precious child of God. Entrusting Indy into the tender and loving hands of our Heavenly Father, His Holiness joins those gathered for her funeral in thanking Almighty God for the gift of her all-too-short life. The Vatican Secretary of State will be filling in for Pope Francis at the UN climate meetings in Dubai. The Holy Father had been planning to travel to the United Arab Emirates to participate this weekend in COP28, but... Cancelled at the request of his doctors after suffering from flu-like symptoms and inflammation of the lungs last weekend. The Holy See press director, Matteo Bruni, said, I can confirm Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin will lead the Holy See delegation already present in Dubai for COP28 to deliver on Saturday the contribution that the Holy Father would have liked to pronounce. A New York appeals court is reinstating a gag order against former President Trump in his civil fraud trial. Mark Mayfield reports.
3: Trump and his attorneys are once again prohibited from making public statements about the courtroom staff in the ongoing $250 million civil fraud trial. The order was temporarily lifted two weeks ago by an appellate judge after Trump's lawyers sued the judge in the case. New York Judge Arthur Engren initially issued the order in October after Trump lashed out at his law clerk on social media. Trump's attorneys argue that the order infringes on the former president's First Amendment rights. I'm Mark Mayfield.
0: And several teams will be battling for spots in the college football playoff this weekend. The action actually kicks off tonight when third-ranked Washington and fifth-ranked Oregon square off in the Pac-12 championship in Las Vegas. Might be the last Pac-12 game ever. I think. Uh, Top ranked Georgia will also be looking to clinch its spot in the playoff when it plays number eight Alabama on Saturday in the SEC championship in Atlanta. Second ranked Michigan battles number sixteen Iowa in the Big Ten championship in Indianapolis. Fourth ranked Florida State looks to survive as it faces number fourteen Louisville in the ACC championship in Charlotte. And the college football playoff selection show will take place on Sunday with. Four teams being selected for the playoff. I think next year is when the 12-team playoff begins.
1: I don't know. I was just going to say, and that is your geography lesson
11: for today.
0: But I'm pretty sure that, like, the Pac-12 is basically, it has two teams left after this season. So I think they're just going to go somewhere else. What time of day is that It's like Oregon State and...
1: Oregon versus Washington?
0: Yeah, that's tonight. Okay. Oh, that's tonight. Okay. For, oh, okay. Never mind. Maybe we can turn it on in the background at the banquet we're speaking at. Maybe so. I was that's just going to say, I watch. believe.
1: I was hoping it's going to be Saturday night because Washington's purple. I was like, you know, maybe Washington, like. Oh, neat. Because yeah. they got the Advent button. Mm-hmm. Bo- it won't work. No. The
0: bit doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Sorry, Matt. Mm. Today is Friday, December the First, happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Check out the video live stream today. Matt in studio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's good to have you, Matt. It's eight past. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Amy Wellborn. She's author of many books, especially books on the Saints. You can find them and her Charlotte Was Both blog over at amywellborn.com. Good morning, Amy.
6: Good morning. How are you doing, Annie?
0: I am doing fine and excited to talk to you today about Saint Charles de Foucault. Now, for those, first of all, who are not familiar with his story, can you give us an overview of his life?
6: Sure, I can. He was born in 1868 in uh, France and died in 1916. So that's the parameter of his date. Lost his faith fairly early, uh, entered the military, traveled around. Spent a lot of time in North Africa, did some geological work in North Africa, and then eventually returned to Europe and found his faith again, or his God found him. And he converted, and he was in part, interestingly enough, inspired by the deep, simple faith of many of the Muslim men and women and children that he met in North Africa. And then he pursued religious life. And what we primarily remember Charles Charles for is his time in North Africa, the fact that he spent the rest of his life in North Africa, Algiers, which at the time was, of course, French territory, living a very simple, intentionally simple life of, and a ministry of presence and accompaniment among the ordinary people and... That's sort of how we remember him. He did leave journals and writings, which are very inspiring. But what we, you know, mainly look at him for is this unique mission field and the way that he pursued evangelization, if you want to call it that, which it is, Mm -hmm. in that context. Very unique.
0: Yeah, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Of course, he was killed— and um, is considered to be a a martyr for the Mm -hmm. faith but i want to talk about what would you say was his philosophy if you will his philosophy of evangelization
6: his philosophy of evangelization was presence i mean that's what it was and he was inspired by the hidden life of jesus and this is very clear in his writings and in his actions he was inspired by the hidden life of jesus that period of 30 years where Jesus lived his life of holiness without anybody knowing about it without any fanfare without any crowds right and so he saw that as his model to pursue holiness and to be present as the, you know heart of Christ to be that Christ that hidden Christ in this population and, you know in the process you know that sort of goes against in a way many traditional ways of thinking about evangelization. all. No, I mean, it's always a part of mission outreach and evangelization in Catholic thought, is that idea that you know we don't go impose, we go live and we suffer with the people and so on. And so he took that to a kind of a, a level at which made people question sometimes, because he didn't emphasize catechesis and all of that kind of thing. He emphasized the hope that people would find Christ in his actions and his love, and then be inspired to find out more. Mm. Yeah,
0: I wanted to ask you about that particular criticism. I mean, do you think that it is is justified criticism, or do you think that, that this was an effective way to evangelize in the area where he was living?
6: Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I have to trust him that you know because he knew these people you know he'd met them and lived with them before his conversion and he clearly believed that they needed christ you know he wasn't a relativist he wasn't saying you do you and it's all fine he knew that they needed christ but he also knew them and their culture and what he felt was going to be the most effective way and he did take the long view he said is my presence here doing any good if it does not, the presence of the Most Holy Sacrament certainly does it greatly, because, of course, he was, uh, he had the, he was a priest, and he had the sacrament in his residence. Hmm. Jesus cannot be in a place without shining forth. Moreover, through contact with the natives, their suspicions and prejudices are slowly abating. It is very slow and very little, pray so that your child does more good and that better workers than him might come to clear this corner in the field of the family's father. So, you know, he obviously was not a megalomaniac thinking that he had to do it all, right? Right. And that, you know, he has to be the big deal in the conversion of these people. He obviously saw that this was a long process of conversion and that this was his role. This was what he was called to do. Uh-huh. Other people would be called to come in and be more direct and intentional and bring the catechesis, and that was fine. This was what he was called to do, and that's a sign of great, of course, humility and also trust in God. Yeah, You know, that I don't have, and I think this is maybe something that, you know, even if we're not going, you know, long distances to do mission work, <laughs> you know, every day each of us are missionaries in our own lives in our own families in our own neighborhoods in our workplace and we're sometimes tempted to think well we need to do it all we need to be the you know great evangelizer who does everything in my in the landscape in which i live but charles teaches us first of all humility to know our gifts and know what we are you know capable of doing and, and discerning what God wants us to do, and then also to trust God, that God is in charge.
0: Well, you know, there are some who really celebrate this and actually might possibly be misrepresenting him, because there are some who would use him to say, well, look, look at him. We can share the love of Jesus, but our goal is not to convert people. Do you think that's a fair assessment of what he was doing?
6: No, it's not at all, because as he says very explicitly in his writings, his ultimate goal is the trust that God will bring these people to Christ. He could have become Muslim. He could have been, you know, if, he re- if that's what he believed, then he could have just, you know, not converted and just gone and hung out with them and been their friend. Yeah. So no, it's not a fair assessment to say that, and to be inspired, and to say that a ministry of presence is nothing more than just, Showing up and hanging out. Mm-hmm. It's with a you know, always discerning, always discerning, always bringing to prayer, and always being courageous enough to live out the more radical presence of Christ and being willing to speak and to teach when it's necessary.
0: Yeah, read more about it at Amy Wellborn's blog. Charlotte was both. You can find Amy com linked at sunrise dot show.com. Thanks so much, Amy Wellborn. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior
3: Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay.
7: I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it.
3: Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime.
7: Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish.
1: Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew.
0: And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at SunriseMorningShow.com, you support the Monks and the show.
1: If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store.
0: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com.
1: That's SunriseMorningShow.com.
4: Carry the faith wherever you go. Watch the EWTN series, specials, events, and news streaming live from anywhere in the world. Streaming is available on the EWTN app for Apple, Android, and Amazon devices. Download the EWTN app at EWTNapps.com today.
1: Eighteen minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines.
0: Israel and Hamas have ended their seven-day truce. Combat has resumed in the Gaza Strip today. Pope Francis has expressed his condolences to the family of Indy Gregory, the little girl who died after being taken off life support by order of a U.K. court. Her funeral is today. And the Vatican Secretary of State will be filling in for Pope Francis at the U.N. climate meetings in Dubai this weekend.
1: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And, you know, we are going to be heading into the Advent readings, but we're coming off the Feast of Christ the King. So don't forget, we still got some good mass readings just until the very end uh, of this week that Who are very apocalyptic. Who the Magnificat, you or me? You can have, them, have it if you want, because oh, I know what the—I've re- already looked at them.
0: Oh, okay, good. So you I'm get cool, like— uh,
1: you know, Daniel and the four living creatures and you've got Jesus in like oh, cool. the uh consider the fig tree and uh this generation will not pass away till all these things have taken place. Like final kind of like mm-hmm. apocalyptic shot in the arm. I actually haven't looked at tomorrow's mastery needs to see if we get any more
0: Well, let me tell you
1: for mm-hmm. let's see. Oh, actually it's more Daniel stuff tomorrow. Um and it's actually very very apocalyptic stuff. This is actually stuff that a lot of rapture type of people refer to. This part of Daniel.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean the um, the readings for Mass on Sunday, in fact, still have more of an an apocalyptic flair, if you will. Sure. than I mean, this is something that I talked about with Father Hezekiah's um last hour in our sunday gospel reflection which was you know the the gospel from mark and we're starting in on the year of mark by the way it's a new it's a new lectionary cycle that we begin on sunday um but it's mark's version of the watch you don't know when the master of the house is coming
1: if you don't know much about the difference between the gospels mark is a very action gospel
0: yeah well it's like Mark, a disciple of Saint Peter. This is actually, I would really encourage folks to go um, watch the Bible study that Father Hezekiah and I do for the Institute of Catholic Culture, um, because we get into that a bit. Like, what do you need to know about the Gospel of if if Mark? If I got five minutes it, with
1: you, yeah, Mark's like, if I got five minutes with you, here's what you need to know mm-hmm. about what happened. Exactly. He casts out a lot of through demons through
0: the too. eyes of Peter.
1: Through the eyes presumably. of Peter, presumably. Yeah. It's 21 minutes past the hour lover on your christmas list this year give them the gift of mystic monk coffee the carmelite monks of wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great christmas morning brew
0: and when you purchase it after clicking the mystic monk link at sunrise you support the monks and the show
1: if your coffee lover is also a fan of the sunrise morning show pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store.
0: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
1: That's sunrisemorningshow.com.
7: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's leah at sacredheartradio.com.
11: An act of hope. So powerful and so merciful, O God, you draw me to yourself. Trusting in your goodness, I hope to rise above this earthly life and be with you forever in the next. By faith, I am certain that you are faithful to all your promises. You are loyal to your covenant. Even now you grasp my hand and offer peace to my heart, promising that with your help, I will one day see you face to face. Not founded on what I deserve, nor on what my poor powers can accomplish, but on your unfailing grace, my hope is in you, the Lord of hosts, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Savior of the world. Not cast aside because of my faults, I am lifted up by your mercy, which has guided and preserved me, until at last I come to my true home, the haven where the saints dwell everlastingly, entirely, joyfully, and definitively, the heaven of the Blessed Trinity. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
1: Anna Mitchell, we are in that in-between time where uh, a lot of interesting ecumenical stuff happens from... uh, Thanksgiving through the beginning of Advent. I was
0: like, what do you mean? Well, there's a
1: lot of interesting ecumenical stuff that happens. So, for instance, there were probably a lot of Catholic schools that either did crafts or plays or things where uh, Catholic school children dressed up like like 17th century English Calvinist separatists (laughs) in their little Catholic
7: school when they dressed like pilgrims.
0: I went to go pick up Freddie at school. Their last day of school was... um, Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And so Freddie is four years old. He's in yes. preschool. And oh, he let me know. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, he let me know.
0: Um, he's in, how did he say it? He's in four school because he thinks that preschool is actually free school. Three school.
1: That makes sense, actually.
0: Anyway, he's like, I'm in four school now. But that's neither here nor there. I went to go pick him up. Um, that day, and they do like a Thanksgiving celebration, and and they dress up as the pilgrims and the Native Americans, and the kids get to pick which um, you know uh, whether
1: like they want to be a Native American construction or construction
0: paper hat or headgear they're going to wear. Right, and so Freddie came out with you know like the the bandana with the the, the feathers. two couple two or three feathers coming out, and I said. Oh, good, you chose Squanto over chose the anti-Catholic Puritans. Great now, job, To be kid. fair,
1: I, I think it's unfair to, uh, to paint the Pilgrims as anti-Catholic.
0: Oh, they were, though.
1: It's, it's fairer to paint them as anti-Anglican. And it's fair.
0: <laughs> no, I mean I think it, you paint the, all the Anglicans above. as yes. anti-Puritan and anti-Catholic. So, but the and this Puritans is something that, were both anti-Anglican and anti-Catholic.
1: Yeah, this is something that ends up sometimes needing to be clarified. So, occasionally, this happens on the internet where people will say oh, you know, the Catholics, you know, the pilgrims were fleeing, you know, Catholic persecution. Actually, they were fleeing Anglican persecution, and then people will say things like, oh, the Catholics, you know, they were burning the witches at Salem. I was like, no, actually, that's the Puritans who fled from the Anglican persecution who did that.
0: Yeah. So just to clarify some history. uh, Yeah, just keep that in mind. So
1: while your Catholic schoolchildren are dressing up like 17th century English (laughs) Calvinist separatists, uh, you know, here's also, uh, in the other direction, it's an opportunity for your Baptists— you know, local church to start putting statues of the Blessed Virgin out on the lawn.
0: That's true.
2: So,
1: uh, you know, I just find it's a very interesting ecumenical moment. And I'm not saying go ask them unless it just comes up in casual conversation. I mean, don't call up the local Baptist church and say, hey— you guys worship Mary. I saw a statue of you. And like, you don't. I, I'm not asking you to do that. But if it comes up with your Baptist friend that they have a nativity scene, you should be like, "Oh, that's cool. I love the statues. Having statues is something that's important to me because it also reminds me of biblical stories and the heroes of faith that I'm supposed to emulate. You know, I like the, the cloud of, I don't know. It's just an opportunity because mm-hmm. even mega churches who mm-hmm. would not have like maybe even a picture of Jesus inside of their main worship space will still do this yeah right they'll still put like a you know sometimes like a full-size life-size nativity scene out on the yard yeah so uh i don't know
0: well you made a good point earlier was it earlier this week when you were talking to sean mcafee about um his compendium, oh, yeah, of compendium sacramentals. Of sacramentals. and um is that there oh yeah look there it is oh, i just knocked pulling... your
1: stuffed monkey off the shelf to get it but here it is yeah.
0: Yeah, and and the it it is just interesting how you can find I was I was so enlightened by the examples that you were bringing up. Um, you know, like how a how a Protestant will not, you know, place your cell phone on top of the Bible. Well, a lot of them
1: will, but I had a particular pastor who was like don't do that. Yeah. Don't put a magazine. Well, on there top are plenty of, the word of, God. of well,
0: there are plenty of people that even Catholics that um that are very big on that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I try to teach this to my kids too. Um I'm not so I'm not, you know, like if a book's on top of the Bible, I'm not like freaking out on them or anything, but I do encourage them to not uh, you know,
1: don't treat jump it like a regular old it when
0: it's sitting on the when it's on the couch. I say, No, you kiss the word of God. Um, you know, and- oh yeah,
1: Freddie. I was uh, I was Freddie yesterday, and he was uh, showing me the uh, Lego instructions for the X-wing fighter, and mm-hmm. he was re- you know flipping the pages real fast and like tearing them. I'm like, you don't want to treat the Bible like you would treat an X-wing fighter Lego, LEGO instruction, instruction manual. Instruction
0: manual, which they call maps.
1: Maps. Like Uncle the Lego Map. maps.
0: Yeah, but um, but the when you brought up the American flag, yeah. for instance, I thought that was a really interesting point to say like look at how we treat these things in um you know even in the the secular world like why are you criticizing us when you have similar practices um just maybe not as as religious in nature i mean it almost makes more sense to to treat them as sacred when they're religious. Um, the American flag, a lot different than that. You know? Well, so, and this
1: is something that gets kind of highlighted in the whole Israel Gaza question. Uh, there are mm-hmm. there are a whole bunch of uh, evangelical Protestants who would see no reason to go to the Holy Land because we've got everything we need for salvation in the Book of you know books of the Old and New Testament. We've got the Word of God, so mm-hmm. why would we need to go to those places? But there are other evangelicals, and many of them of the kind of more end times rapture-y variety, who's like. Whatever happens in Jerusalem really, really matters in terms of like, you know, how this all kind of works. This, this, this is like a sacred place, a sacred space that we need to figure out what to do with. Now, granted, they don't build amazing churches on it. They don't actually; they're actually not sure what to do with it. But the fact that you treat certain things, even in this world, differently than other things belies a certain human sensibility there. Yeah. Um,
0: that kind of surprises me that they would diminish the importance of the holy land like the places where jesus walked like jesus touched it and that doesn't
1: or like the womb that he came from would diminish yeah, that or
0: like the womb that he came from i'm just saying yeah
1: well if jesus touched it it's probably important
0: it's probably sacred it belongs probably in a holy. museum
1: actually it belongs to the church yeah. it is half past the hour here's anna with news
0: The truce is now over between Israel and Hamas. Speaking of the Holy Land, Mark Mayfield has the story.
3: The Israeli military said that it has resumed combat in the Gaza Strip and claims Hamas violated the truce and fired a rocket toward Israeli territory. Israeli airstrikes have been reported in Gaza City and drones have been reported over southern Gaza. During the seven-day truce, Hamas released 80 hostages in exchange for 240 Palestinian prisoners. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in Israel Thursday calling for the truce to be extended. But after their meeting, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said they swore to eliminate Hamas and that nothing will prevent that from happening. I'm Mark Mayfield.
0: The Vatican Secretary of State will be filling in for Pope Francis at the U.N. climate meetings in Dubai this weekend. The Holy Father had been planning to travel to the UAE to participate this weekend, but canceled the trip at the request of his doctors after suffering from flu-like symptoms and inflammation of his lungs last weekend. The Vatican says the Holy Father does continue to improve, but the director of the Holy See press office, Matteo Bruni, said, quote, I can confirm that Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin will lead the Holy See delegation already present in Dubai for COP28 to deliver on Saturday the contribution that the Holy Father would have liked to pronounce, end quote. Pope Francis has expressed his condolences today to the family of Indy Gregory, the little girl who died after being taken off life support by order of a UK court. Her funeral is set for today in the cathedral in the Diocese of Nottingham. A telegram from the Vatican Secretary of State says, quote, His Holiness Pope Francis was saddened to learn of the death of little Indy Gregory, and he sends condolences and the assurance of his spiritual closeness to her parents, Dean and Claire, and to all who mourn the loss of this precious child of God. Entrusting Indy to the tender and loving hands of our Heavenly Father, it says, His Holiness joins those gathered for her funeral in thanking Almighty God for the gift of her all too short life. He likewise prays that the Lord Jesus, who said to his disciples, Let the little children come to me, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs, will grant abiding comfort, strength, and peace to you all, end quote. Pope Francis met yesterday with participants in a seminar on ethics in health management. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports.
10: In off-the-cuff remarks, he took the opportunity to reflect on his own health. (laughs) As you can see, I'm alive, he joked. The doctor didn't let me go to Dubai. He said the reason was that it's very hot in the United Arab Emirates and his doctor said going from the heat to air conditioning would have been hard on him, given his, quote, bronchial situation. The Pope also thanked God that his illness was not pneumonia, calling it a very acute infectious bronchitis. I no longer have a fever, he said, but antibiotics and such things are still ongoing. Pope Francis then turned to the topic of health in general and the importance of caring for it.
7: La salud es fuerte
10: y fragile. Health is both strong and fragile, he mused, noting that when a person is healthy, we say, wow, what health that person has, so resilient, so strong. But he added health is also fragile. Poorly cared for health, he said, succumbs to fragility. The Pope added that he sees the value of preventative medicine because it prevents illness before it occurs. He expressed his appreciation for the seminar on ethics and health and said people should both seek medical solutions when they are ill and preserve their health when they are well. Not only seeking medical and pharmacological solutions, but also caring for health, thinking about how to preserve that good, he said, repeating, not just curing, but preserving. The Pope has been recovering from a pulmonary inflammation since Saturday when he underwent a CT scan to properly assess his medical condition amid flu symptoms. He had been due to make an apostolic journey to Dubai to attend the COP28 climate summit on December 1st to 3rd, but canceled the visit on Tuesday evening on the advice of his doctors. I'm Devin Watkins.
0: Also, yesterday, Pope Francis called for more women theologians and for more reflection on the feminine nature of the church as he met with and addressed members of the International Theological Commission. The church is woman, he said, and if we do not understand what a woman is or what a woman's theology is, we will never understand what the church is. End quote. That's the news. You're listening to The Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour.
7: The Sunrise Morning Show.
1: Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee.
0: They have a number of Christmas blends available. And when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at SunriseMorningShow.com, you earn us a commission.
1: Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with the Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store.
0: Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at son com. That's
5: SunriseMorningShow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. What is the meaning of freedom? As Americans, we know we have many freedoms, but for some people, freedom means simply to do whatever one wants, to whomever one wants, whenever one wants. St. Paul talks about his understanding of freedom to the Galatians. He writes, Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants for one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. St. Paul realizes that by the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, God's grace has restored to us the freedom to choose the good, the right, and the true. Freedom is not given to us for self-satisfaction alone, but for the glory of God and the building up of one another. St. Paul recognized that one of the biggest temptations that we as human beings face is the attraction to bodily pleasure. But when we allow the seeking of bodily pleasures to rule our lives, we sell our souls for very little, and we reap even less because these will ultimately destroy our souls. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us freedom from sin and the flesh so that we can have the freedom for doing good for others and glorifying God. May we never forget who has given us this freedom and the price that he paid for us in order to do it. And this is what we learn from the heart of St. Paul.
1: The Sunrise Morning Show continues as we head into this first weekend of the Advent season. Hope you got some candles ready to roll. We'll be lighting them in church this weekend. Lighting at least one of them. One per wreath. One lighting per wreath. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life & Hope Network. You can find them online at lifeandhope.com. Dot com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Uh, You've got a couple of affirming stories uh, that really point to some of the things that we say on this segment all the time, which is that uh, we don't know that much about the brain as far advanced as we are, and it's important that we learn more about the brain. So what are the things that we have learned of late that caught your attention?
13: Sure, and I think it's important to just to mention, uh, Matt, You know, the reason that we talk about these things is is my hope is that the listener's um, you know, we never know when a brain injury is going to strike, uh, even a family member or someone we know. And it's good to know all what's available, what's potentially available to help recovery uh, so families are aware that, that these things are out there and they might not know about them otherwise if they do some research. And, and this is one, and, and, and as you said, Matt, I mean, we've talked about it before, there, there seems to be a, a, a lot of uh, research on brain injury and, and better ways to recover and, and heal and treat. And this is one of them. Uh, this is a new study that was in, published in Nature magazine. And it basically treats the swelling of the brain that occurs initially after a, a traumatic brain injury. And I would, I would suspect it would also occur after an, an anoxic brain injury. Uh, but it treats the swelling um, almost immediately they didn 't have any type of remedy like this before. In fact, what they would have to do to relieve swelling is actually operate on the brain and and it 's called a cerebral uh, i'm sorry i'm not a I sometimes should probably go and uh, i don 't know how these medical students learn that these words, but it 's called a cerebral uh, endema, and this is when the the brain swells after a brain injury. And, it, and this is something I did not know, Matt. It can increase risk of death tenfold, and it, it, and I did know this. It, it does uh, worsen the prospect for recovery in brain function. But uh, they also said it's the leading cause of in-hospital deaths, and it's also associated with long-term neurological disabilities. So basically, the brain swells and it, it, it impedes brain uh, uh, blood flow, which, which leads to... Uh, uh, brain injury and, and, and um, uh, disability. Uh, but now with these, what they have found, these cocktails of drugs that actually treat high blood pressure will immediately reduce the swelling, which would increase blood flow, which will help the brain recover from that initial brain injury insult. So uh, this, is, this has been conducted in mice. They're showing some very promising results in, in studies with mice. And hopefully it'll get to the point where they'll start uh, using it and testing it on, on uh, uh, individuals to see if, in fact, this will reduce brain swelling and can significantly add or help with the recovery process after they do experience some type of brain injury.
1: No, that's great news. And, you know, it is fascinating how uh, we sometimes find that something that was designed to help a certain thing uh, accidentally helps this other thing too <laughs> you know that's always kind of uh, right. kind of a nice thing to discover and I I, I very much hope that that uh, path continues to be gone down um, but I want to talk a little bit about neuroplasticity too which is the brain's sort of ability to adapt for lack of a better way of putting it but what's the latest you've been finding in regard to that
13: yeah well yeah something that was it was somewhat surprising uh, I've been reading a lot about neuroplasticity Plasticity, another tough word. I have uh, pronounced. We're, we're
1: both uh, winning the vocabulary award today, man. Jeez Louise,
13: I tell you, <laughs> some of these words are tough. But um, and we've talked about it this before. It's basically, when when the when the brain experiences an insult or a brain injury, uh, it has a remarkable. It's extraordinary, actually, Matt. It'll it'll the brain will actually circumvent the, the damaged cells, the damaged neurons, and create new paths uh, for healing. And it, it, it will take time. I mean, this is. Something that doesn't happen overnight, but they're finding that it actually happens, even with, uh, uh, I guess, the lower end of the spectrum on brain injury, with concussions, that you can actually experience neuroplasticity when someone experiences concussions. And concussions aren't as evident or as obvious as a more severe brain injury. Uh, sometimes in these, in, you know, these types of concussions can be hidden; um, they don't manifest uh, until. Uh, you know, after the the uh, the the, the uh, actual injury occurs, but they're saying that that even with concussions, the brain can create new brain waves or, or pathways to help with the healing process. And I and I know I mentioned this before, Matt, but back in my sister's case, uh, almost 20 years ago, we had a doctor that looked at Terry's uh, brain images, and he actually went on record saying that he thought she was experiencing neuroplasticity. And back then. Uh, it, it was really uh, undiscovered research, as far as I know, and and they didn't really know much about it. But this doctor did, and he felt strongly and was convinced that Terry was experiencing. Uh, her brain was, was creating new pathways to, to find a way to uh, to
1: heal. Well, and again, this doesn't prove that every single person with a brain injury is on the path to full recovery, but it does show that there is possibility to improve. And, I mean, and we talk about this all the time, like what's the number one reason that... Uh, Doctors or insurance companies or anybody else wants to uh, remove food and water or end somebody's life. It's because they say, "Well, there's no prospect of this person improving," <laughs> right? So, uh, I mean, this is a this is a powerful thing to be able to throw into the mix these new kind of uh, realms of of understanding of how neuroplasticity might work.
13: Yeah, and it's so and it's so frustrating, Matt, because we talk about this all the time, uh, and it's it's really what. What is a hot button issue for me is is how quickly uh, decisions are made to end life when when someone experiences a brain injury uh, we haven't I know we've kind of talked about it uh, a few weeks ago but there's a heck of a battle going on behind the scenes on expanding the brain death criteria to make it easier Matt to diagnose someone as being brain dead and it's connected again to um, to this to this need for for uh, Uh, organ donations because of the amount of people that need organs to to help with whatever whatever ailment they have. But nonetheless, you know, we have all this research that basically points to the time needed for the brain to heal. And then you have, you know, a certain segment of the medical community trying to do what they can to to cut even more time away from individuals uh, that, that recovery process and and end their lives. So uh, it's really frustrating to me uh, that, that, we're seeing all this research and, and there's still part of the medical community is not affording these these individuals even, even more than a few days, Matt, to see if, in fact, they can recover from some type of treatment or therapy from their brain injury.
1: Well, we appreciate your vigilance on these matters, Bobby, because, again, a lot of the stuff goes uh, in the back of a medical journal and it doesn't really confront many of us until we're in a situation with a family member, right? So, uh, and by that point... Uh, a lot of wheels are already in motion. So, if our listeners want to connect with you, uh, Bobby Schindler, and get more information about the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, find out maybe either how they can benefit from it or maybe how they can keep you in the mix so that uh, you can continue to help others, how do they do so?
13: Sure. And this is, we all, we, all be, uh, we have all these stories posted online, Matt, so people can research them if they want to find them. It's at lifeandhope.com, lifeandhope.com.
1: Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Bobby Schindler. Have a great first weekend of Advent.
13: Thank you, Matt. You too.
1: God bless you. All right. It's a quarter till. Father Jonathan Duncan joins us next. Support is from Metashare. So
4: right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join Metashare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to Metashare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too. For over 30 years, it's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing, too. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another $150 savings. So, I'll give you the number here in a second, but just call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And remember, the deadline is December 15th. So call now, and you'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE.
7: 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com.
1: Saints Alive is a radio theater podcast for kids that tells the story of the saints filled with adventure, heroism, virtue, and humor. You can hear Saints Alive as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNradio.net slash podcasts today.
10: I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
1: Thirteen minutes before the hour, here's Anna with headlines.
0: The truce is now over between Israel and Hamas, with conflict now resuming in the Gaza Strip. The Vatican Secretary of State will be filling in for Pope Francis at the U.N. climate meetings in Dubai tomorrow, and Pope Francis has expressed his condolences to the family of Indy Gregory, the little girl who died after being taken off life support by order of a U.K. court.
1: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan, a priest for the Diocese of Charleston. He's Director of Spiritual Health at Bon St. Francis Hospital, also works in school and campus ministry. Father Duncan, good morning.
14: Good to be back with you, Matt.
1: So we get some interesting feelings that pop up during the readings from Mass for the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, lots of, um, you know, good, good things, right? Yeah, we want the Lord to come and, and uh, redeem all stuff uh, to uh, come and save us from our current situation. But if I read the... Readings from Isaiah, and if I read the Gospel uh, correctly, this is also terrifying <laughs> in, its, in its own way. The idea of the Lord actually coming back—it's um, a lot to sort out. The this this interesting space between joy and excitement at the Lord coming back, and sort of a a sh- sort of horrifying realization of who we've been while He's been
14: away. Well, it it should be terrifying. You know, because what you're, what we're really talking about, is the promise that when He comes, um, the whole order, the order of, of this world, um, which is saturated with uh, with sin and death, that that is going to be upended, and that that is like it's it's gonna, and you see this all throughout the Gospels. You know that when he returns, when the end of this world, it's going to be, um, it's going to be tumultuous. It's going to be yeah, a little a little terrifying because it's terrifying when something we perceive as normal, and we perceive as completely fine, when that something gets totally undone, then it's a little scary. But the whole, I, I would say, in a sense, the whole of of the Christian life, um, of our striving uh, after virtue, of growing in holiness, of what we call sanctification, right? That whole process is all geared towards us being at the place spiritually where if Jesus were to return right now or tomorrow, we greet him with joy, and we greet the unraveling of this sinful death-soaked world, and we heard already from Anna, you know, the violence resuming in in the land of the Lord's birth. So, like, the whole point of sanctification is is for us to be in a place where when He does return, when He does uh, overthrow all the powers of this world, that we greet that, not with sorrow and sadness, because we're attached to sin and death, but we greet it with joy, and we, and we in, in the words of Isaiah, we're crying out. We, that's, that's how we should be. We should be crying out, Lord, rend the heavens, tear the heavens apart, and come down. Come to save us. That's what we should be longing for. And so all our growth in holiness is aimed towards this place where we are watching, as the Lord says, and such that when he returns, we greet him not with fear, not with disappointment that the world we've become accustomed to is passing away, but we greet him with joy and exultation.
1: Well. You uh, and our listeners, I'm sure, uh, recall this. You got strong Southern Pentecostal roots, (laughs) right? And this is something that uh, our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, our our evangelicals, uh, some of them, you know, Baptists and the like, are actually very good at getting this message across. I can't even count how many times in my Church of the Nazarene background and a bunch of other places I heard the question from the pulpit. I mean, I heard it almost every Sunday sometimes. You know, if Jesus came back right now, would you be ready? Uh, I think that's that's a question that I don't know that we that we ponder enough as Catholics.
14: I don't think we do, and you know I think there's there's pitfalls in, in different approaches, and I know certainly uh, in my strand of kind of Pentecostalism growing up, um, there's a big emphasis on the second coming. But I, but I think a lot of times it was the emphasis was on. You know, how can we calculate when it's going to happen and what will it look like? and who is?
1: Yeah, be, this is what uh, Annie and I were talking about with some of these last readings from Daniel we get before Advent hits in Daily Mass.
14: Absolutely. And you start getting some of the, you know, well, you know, the, the kind of you know, some, some of our listeners may be old enough to remember, like the Left Behind series of books and, and that whole movement in the late 90s. And, and then with that, there was a lot of, all right, let me figure out how all of this is going to work. And I think a, a healthier approach is to take that zeal uh, from, from some of those traditions, which is constantly putting the Lord's return in front of us, but not getting bogged down into the, uh, who is this Antichrist, and how do I calculate, and who's the beast, and who's the false prophet, and who's this, whereas I think a, a more biblical approach is to say we need to be prepared. Regardless, we need to be spiritually prepared, and ultimately that means ready to see Jesus face-to-face, ready to greet Him, whether it be at the end of a long life when we close our eyes for the last time and greet Him that way, or ready to greet Him if He comes tomorrow and tears the clouds apart, as they have prophesied, uh, to come and upend this world of sin and death. So regardless, we need to be ready, and that means growing closer to Him through prayer serving the poor, uh, and trying to calculate if when he's going to come is, seems, has always seemed to me to be folly. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. It's a, and everybody who's tried to do it so far has been wrong. Uh, and they're all also, by the way, dead. So they were right that they were going to be meeting the Lord personally in a few years. All of them <laughs> have been right about that part. Absolutely. But in terms of, uh, of the actual second coming, the other aspect of this, too, and I recall this especially uh, in some of the holiness messages that I heard, um, as an evangelical Protestant, is, you know, if the Lord came right now, would you be ready? It was, the tone of it was, uh, would you be in trouble <laughs> if he came back and saw yeah. the state of your life? And there is an aspect of that that we need to absolutely have in line. We want to be in a state of grace. But uh, I don't know about you. I mean, as a dad, just having a child who doesn't get in trouble at school, that's a very low bar. Like, here's what I want for you. I want you ultimately to not go to jail. That's my ultimate hope for you, child. Like, that's not how the Lord is looking at us, right? This is—we don't want to greet the Lord and say, God, uh, I'm ready to meet you because I haven't committed any mortal sins since my last confession. I mean, that's a good bar, but it's a low bar.
14: Yeah, I'm I'm sure I've said before that, you know, our Lord came to redeem us not simply so that we could narrowly escape hell— Um, But, in fact, we have that wonderful reading in Titus where it talks about, you know, he's redeemed us out of sin and death so that he might have for himself a people who are zealous for good deeds, zealous to do what is good and right and beautiful and true. So, no, you you were made to bear fruit. And we hear in the Gospels, fruit that will last. And so, no, you weren't just redeemed so you could narrowly escape hell, but so that you could bear fruit for the kingdom of God, and so that you could ultimately witness to the beauty and to the worth of Jesus. And we want to be in a place spiritually where when he returns, we are more excited to see him, more joyful, more happy, more fulfilled by his presence than by anything else
1: ever. Well, that's a great way to go into the first weekend of Advent. Father Jonathan Duncan, thanks so much. Have a great day. Well, that wraps it up can't believe that uh we're finishing out our last show of ordinary time with you all here on the Sunrise Morning Show until we meet again which is Monday and it'll be it'll be purple time so have a great advent weekend get out the decorations but don't get them all out cuz we're not doing christmas for several weeks still but in the meantime for Anna Mitchell, Paul Lockman, Travis and all of our guests come visit us at sunrisemorningshow.com subscribe get show notes in your inbox daily may god bless you and keep you and grant you his peace